Today's episode of the Ramp It Up podcast contains explicit language and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener's discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Ramp It Up podcast with your host, Ronel Sinuis. Are you ready to ramp it up? Ramp it up, Ew. Hey, yo, ramp it up, B. Girl, ramp it up. Ramp it up. The Ramp It Up Podcast. Hey, you need to ramp it up. Ramp, ramp, ramp it up. It's been a long time coming, but we are back with another episode of the Ramp It Up Podcast. I am your host and your favorite Zawan Wheels, Ronel Sinus. Don't be mad at me, guys. I haven't been on the podcast since the end of June of this year of 2023. We missed all of July and all of August, and I promise you, I had very good reasons. So again, please forgive me. I was dealing with some health issues and um, some personal issues. I'm not gonna go too much into them as of right now, but I will tell you one thing, after almost three full years of being home and wearing masks and vaccinating, the vid got me, y'all. The vid finally caught up. I was, um, I had the COVID virus or the coronavirus back in July, so I was out of commission for about two weeks and almost three weeks, actually. Thank the Lord it was not fatal or super severe, whether that's because it was a different strain or I'm just superhuman or the vaccine. I don't know. I don't know. But I wasn't on any breathing apparatuses. My um, oxygen levels didn't go below 95. So I, I was I was relatively OK. I was just contagious and actually had pneumonia at the same time. So I was just in the hospital for two weeks on antibiotics. I was home the week before, just super sick, not sure what was going on, which sucks because that was my birthday week, so I didn't even get to celebrate my birthday for real this year. But I'm still thankful, and I thank God for each and every day, especially after being sick, because many people, it was fatal for them or just had much worse side effects. So um, I'm grateful to have made it. Um, Also, the last two months have been super busy. I've been working on a few projects, and here we are. Here we are. It is now the second week of September. We are in Spinal Cord Injury Awareness Month. And I have two great episodes coming up this month. Uh, two individuals who are uh, staples in the wheelchair user, spinal cord injury, and disorder community. Uh, today we'll be sitting down with Joshua Basil. He is an attorney, an advocate, a fellow quad. He's a dad, he's an inventor. And uh, he's just an all-around really cool guy, and um, I get the chance to sit down with him, and we have a good conversation about his life and how at 18, when he acquired his spinal cord injury, he didn't let it stop him, and he went on to become an advocate, invent um, some devices and uh, assistive devices to help him in his life and others, and again, just hear his insight Um, I do have a part two planned for him in October, but you'll have to hear more about that in the episode. And he actually let loose a bit of a secret that I was going to share later on. Uh, But um, I'll tell you all now, in October, I'm going to be going to Vegas 
uh, bar anything negative happening. Hopefully, fingers crossed. It'll be my second flight post spinal cord injury. I'll be uh, attending the United Spinal Association's Strong Wheeled Together Conference. It'll be held in Las Vegas on uh, October 19th. 19th? Yeah, 19th through the 21st. It's my second flight post spinal cord injury, and it is going to be my first time in Vegas in general. So look out. I'll have lots of videos while I'm over there. I'm going to try to get a couple interviews of some folks, uh, and it'll be cool just to meet some people that I've been working with over the last three years in person. You know, we've just been digital, but it'll be finally great to see them all, a whole mess of wheelchair users all together, and it'll be my first conference of the sort. So super excited to do so, but uh, for right now, we're going to sit down and enjoy the conversation that I had with attorney Joshua Basil. Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Wrap It Up podcast. I am your host, Ronel Sinus, and I am here with a good friend of mine. Uh, I've joked around with Josh a bit before that I've known him and his work prior to actually meeting him, but he goes by the name of Joshua Basil. Josh, say hi to the people. Ronel, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. I'm um, excited to, to be able to speak with you, especially with it being Spinal Cord Injury Awareness Month. Exactly. September is, I should have worn green just like you're wearing green, uh, but it is for Spinal Cord Injury Awareness Month. And uh, it's the time we take to put aside just to share more about spinal cord injury uh, and disorders, so, you know, just share information. And uh, being that you're the brain behind Spinalpedia, I think you're the best guy to have on for a spinal Court Injury Awareness Month. So thank you so much for making time and your busy schedule, being a dad, working to, to join me on the podcast. Yeah, looking forward to this, and it's a great way to start off the week as well. And um, just let's jump right into it. Cool. Now, just to let the people know a bit about you, I'm going to read your bio. Uh, Joshua Basil is a C4, C5 quadriplegic, power wheelchair user, disability rights advocate, trial attorney, inventor, and proud father. In 2004, at the age of 18, Joshua was paralyzed below the shoulders in a beach accident. Soon after, he formed the Determined to Heal Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit to empower newly injured families. Josh created the world's largest paralysis video mentoring network through Spinalpedia.com, which I'm very familiar with, with 30,000 and more now videos researchable by physical functionality. As a medical malpractice lawyer and disabilities rights advocate, Josh serves persons with disabilities, both in the courtroom and through policy initiatives. As a community leader and change maker, Josh works tirelessly to improve the quality of life of the people with disabilities and to continuously break down existing barriers to access and inclusion, independent living, transportation, employment, and web accessibility. Josh, that's a lot. Uh, we're going to go through that. We're going to pick it apart just to get, uh, get some of the details of it, but Otherwise, it was just a short way of saying you're an amazing and very busy guy. Thank you, Ronal. And I right back at you. You're amazing. And I, I'm very much looking forward to meeting you in person next month in Las Vegas at the Strong Wheeled uh, Together Conference. So, yes, sir. I, we, we joke around a lot that growing up, our parents told us, don't talk to strangers and don't meet anyone on the Internet. Well, we're going to be doing the same thing. We've been doing a lot of it the last couple of years through like Zoom and uh, some of these online forums. but uh through some of the advocacy work we've been doing we do a lot of it like throughout the country and uh most of it's virtual so it's going to be cool to finally meet so many people in person no and it definitely takes it to the next level and it lets our wheels be 
a lot louder when we're all next to each other and we're wheeling down the hallways, wherever we're advocating, we, we turn a lot of heads. It's, I'm excited to do it because I haven't been around, well, in, in some of the support group activities that we've done here in Miami, there'll probably be like 30 of us, but I'm sure there's going to be hundreds or at least a hundred of us there. So I'm sure people are going to be looking, but most importantly, getting out of our way uh, because if you don't, if I run over a toe, that's your fault. You were looking for it. Uh, it's a, it's just definitely one of those things coming together and learning from each other and just like finding ways that we can just keep, keep building and moving forward. And like, and, and really the, so much of it is being in the same room and especially for a continuous amount of time together, we, we start thinking through problems and we, we make those, we find those solutions to the next, to the next thing that we need to do and to break down barriers really is, is what we're the best at. Definitely looking forward to not only beating you, but um, everyone else. Will your family be joining you or will you just be fine out yourself? I'll be, I'll be coming out with a caregiver and with uh, my partner, Katie. All right, cool. Well, looking forward to meeting everyone. Yes. All right. So Joshua Basil, I've gotten, uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, being on a podcast interview with you and reading up about you, but for our listeners, tell me a little bit about who Joshua Basil is, and then we'll get into some of your background. Sure. All right. So who I am, it's just my, my life was flipped upside down, as you mentioned in, in 2004, but I was in waste high water, turned my back to the ocean and a wave just picked me up and threw me over my boogie board and slammed me headfirst against the ocean floor. And I just, I remember hearing a, a loud crack and next thing I knew I couldn't move anything below my shoulders. And um, it was a start to a new life when my friends pulled me to shore and Woke up in, in a critical unit with a ventilator in my neck, helped me to breathe. And I couldn't speak at that time because the ventilator takes away your voice. And when I did regain my voice, finally, a few weeks later, um, that's really when I became an advocate for life and made every single word count from that moment on. And so much about me is, you know, physically, I'm limited to what I can do. But mentally um, and cognitively, the, the sky's the limit. And I've kept on exercising my brain as a muscle and to get smarter and louder and doing everything I can through education, went back to community. I went to community college right after my injury and then went to undergrad and then graduated magna cum laude from law school without ever flipping a page with my fingers. And that's a testament to having incredible supports and people in my life, but also leveraging technology. It's just, there's, there's so much we have out there to, accomplish what our minds want us to do it's just a matter of figuring out what you want to do and, and making it happen uh, a lot of times it just takes a little creativity cre- creativity and a willingness to try but um but yeah so that's a little bit about me how i entered the paralysis world and then ever since it's just i've i've always wanted to do good i've always wanted to like make a difference not only in my life but others around me and it's it's definitely Having a spinal cord injury has given me, uh, it's opened my eyes to a world of, of, of possibility, but a world of, of barriers, as we were saying earlier, like there's so much that needs to be done. Like we've had so many incredible disability champions kind of pave the way for us, but as advocates of today, um, we, we need to make, make those big changes happen. So not only our futures are, are better, but the futures of others. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask a little bit of background information. First and foremost, where are you from? I live right outside Washington, D.C., in Maryland. And uh, 
been here since the early 90s. So you and I have something in common because it sounds like we both enjoyed water sports. Uh, I wasn't more of a big boarder, but I enjoyed jet skiing and uh, snorkeling. And that's actually how I got my injury as well. So both of us in the water. Uh, have you been back into the ocean or a pool or anything since? Absolutely. Uh, I went back uh, the years after my injury to kind of look at at the waves and let Mother Nature know that, you know, yes, she's a force, but I'm a force too. And then I ended up doing Life Rolls All in one year, which is a surfing organization. And I got back out on the water, went on uh, on a surfboard on my elbows and was able to surf again. But I've really, I've always been in love with, with the water. I've always been in love with the beach. It just, unfortunately, I had one really bad vacation, one really bad day at the beach. And it's just, it's obviously stuck with me, but the water is just so, such a special place to be. And I, I've, I fell in love with sailing since my injury. I never really went sailing prior to my injury. And then I did more and more. There's a local organization called Chesapeake Region Accessible Boating and started going out. And actually we ended up raising money and, and got a boat where you can actually sail with just your breath. So uh, it creates a sip and puff straw system where you can control the rudder or the ropes. And then I fell in love with the impossible dream, which I know is down in your area in Miami, Yeah, shake a leg and sailing uh, impossible dream is when I, when I, when I got on the boat, I ended up reaching out to the captain and the owner and said, let's do something newsworthy. Let's get, let's do something kind of crazy with this. The next thing I know, uh, we, we ended up chartering it and got ESPN to document an adventure where we went from Key West to Cuba and went down there for four days, introducing a, a sport I invented called Slingshot Golf to a Cuban paraplegic and sailed back on the impossible dream uh, back, to, back to Key West, which that was a wild sailing adventure. Well, you've done a bit more than I have post-injury on the water. I've I just had the chance, uh, you know, of course, through OT and recreational therapy. I've been in the pool, but um, the most exciting I've done so far was, of course, I've, I've been through Shake a Leg as well. But uh, an organization called Ann's Angels comes down here and um, I was able to go water skiing and they got me on uh, like a sitting position in a water ski. And then there were two of the instructors with me. And and of course, my family thought I was crazy to be back on the water. But I was just like, similar to you, you know, you know Mother Nature was her fault. You know, she didn't pick me out of everyone to hurt. And I was just like, I still love the water. I live in Miami. You have almost no choice but uh, to still love the beach. And um, I definitely would love to try one of those sip and puff sailboats. We're going to have to connect at some point. That sounds cool. Let's definitely talk more about that. But so much of, of life is, especially in the chairs, living with adventurous wheels. You know, so often it's just like we get stuck in our homes and yeah. get really comfortable and adventuring out becomes really scary. But the second that you do venture out and start experiencing the world around you, you start learning like there's so much more that you can do. It's just a matter of getting out there and figuring it out. And there's amazing organizations all around the country doing adaptive sports programs. And it's just getting out and trying those. It's, you know, you might find out you don't like to do it, but you might find out that you love doing it. And then you have an activity for the rest of your life to have fun with. So you know, I'm I'm such a big advocate for 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 getting out and kind of living with those adventurous wheels and having some fun. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. I'm I'm the same, and I'm always looking for more adventures. So now, um, as opposed to myself, I got injured when I was 30. 
you were a young man. You were literally just entering adulthood. You were 18. Uh, so if you could tell me a bit about how it was going into adulthood with your spinal cord injury and even as far as, you know, how was it in school? Because I've heard from some other people having to get like uh, someone to write your notes or an assistant walk around with you could be always awkward. But how was that experience and how did your family and friends help you cope? Yeah, no, having an injury at any age is is not easy. Um, but definitely during, you know, my late teenage years, where I'm just starting to become independent for the first time. And it's just like, I'm like, I'm so excited to get out from my parents' home and trying to figure out who I am as a person. And then, you know, I got it. I had one year under my belt of college. And then my sophomore year is when I had my spinal cord injury during that summer. And I had to come right back home. Um, but luckily, I, I had a very supportive home, um, a family that made, made sure to let me know that um, they weren't going to give up on me and I shouldn't give up on me either. And it's just kind of having that support in place and then finding out kind of how to re-get back into the system. Um, it's it's that, that leap, that leap of faith or taking that first wheel rotation to get in the right direction. Um, like I, I ended up uh, entering um, school. Uh, so I got injured August 1st. By that January, I started taking it. I went back to community college okay. and uh, or went to a community college and took a poetry course. And that poetry course allowed me to get all the different things that were in my mind and my heart and my body out onto paper and into spoken word. And it helped me figure out me and what direction I wanted to go in life. And then I started taking courses on public speaking. And that kind of helped me, again, find my voice and strengthen the way that I could advocate or be a storyteller, you name it. And it's just the more and more I did with schooling, the, the more I felt like I was getting back in the community rather than just in the, the hospital setting where I was just exercising nonstop and trying to heal from this, the injury. Um, and I just, I loved going back to school anyways, because I was surrounded by girl, girls again and being able to be able to try to spit my game and try to, you know, <laughs> get back to it. I, I was, I was a teenager and that's, that's, I, 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 I miss that. And, um, Sports were a big part early on, and I missed that a lot too. And I just I didn't know how to how to do many things because I, I just physically couldn't do it. And I, I used to go like golfing with my dad and my friends after my injury, but I would just watch as a spectator. And it just after probably about four years of watching, all of a sudden I had a dream one night, and I I pictured this putting device that swung on a on a pendulum. I would go back and forth. And all of a sudden I ended up that weekend building a PVC pipe version of a pendulum putting device to, to hit a golf ball. And that was the start of, to inventing a sport called slingshot golf, where we now have a putting device to get the ball in the hole, but we also use slingshots to hit the long ball. And we just added a club in the past year and a half called the swingless golf club that uses blank bullets to shoot out a piston about two inches outside the, the golf club. And it actually can launch a golf ball over 200 yards. So you can go to over two football fields. Um, and now getting out and playing golf, it's it's like I'm doing it on my own. It's like playing like a video game, but with with live controllers. Oh, um, that sounds cool. Like, do you have really, any videos or anything I could check out? This yeah, I could definitely share some with you. Oh, wow, cool. 
And, but so, yeah, so, so much about life after my injury, it was, you know, before my injury, I did things 1 million ways. And after my injury, I now have to figure out how to do it 1 million new ways, 1 million different ways. And different can still be fun. Different can still provide meaning and, and smiles and excitement and adrenaline and just getting out there and experiencing the world. It's, uh, it's just, it's just, you, you just got to find, find your path forward. Um, like so much of, of life is, is trying to kind of have that focus of what you can do rather than dwelling on what you cannot. Cause like in the beginning, I, I sometimes would focus on what I couldn't do and it would bog me down and it would get me depressed. It would get me in a place where like, I, this is how I used to do it. Why can't I do it anymore? And I'd focus on kind of the past, but then I started kind of focusing on moving forward. Be like, all right, with this technology, I can do it like this or with a helpful hand of a caregiver or a friend, a family member, I could do it this way. And all of a sudden I started figuring out I could do so many cool things. Um, and it's just, yes, it's different, but it's still, it's still doing, it's still, still experiencing the world around you. And I've just been, um, it's kind of pushed me in a direction of accomplishing goals, accomplishing different things that I, I set my mind out to. And um, I'm a very busy quadriplegic and I like being a busy quadriplegic. Um, and I love advocating. I love, I love mentoring. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that we should never stop learning. Like I, every single day I'm within our community, I'm learning from you, I'm learning from others. I'm teaching others. Like it's just, it's one of those things. It's we, as, as somebody with a spinal cord injury, we will always be a mentor and mentee. For the rest of our lives yeah. and that's important to, to embrace that and it's that that that's from the, from from the from the best way to explain it it's that's what community is all about is being a mentor and mentee for the rest of your life now you said something that i, I really don't want uh those who are listening to this episode to miss because back even when you were talking about golfing like you, you still enjoyed it but you were a spectator for a while and until you came up with, you know, you invented a way to participate again. It may not be the traditional way. It may not be the most popular way everyone else is doing it. It may draw stares and attention, but guess what? You're participating and you're back doing something you love. And I know just like you probably have, you've run into people who have just settled into that role of just spectating and, and just looking at other people. And I, I've, I had to work myself through it. It took about two years for me to really kind of start getting back to my own social self. And I was just like, look, it may not be the same way I used to do things, but I'm still doing the things I love. I'm still participating. I'm still me. And I, I think I would rather that a thousand times over more so than missing out on the things that I love. So, you know, you may have to find a creative way of doing it. You may have to do it differently, but that doesn't mean you have to miss out on the things you enjoy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and just getting out there and, and obviously so, so much of this is getting those right supports in place. Like, like I, I, I would not be able to do a lot of what I do without having, you know, getting, getting into Medicaid and getting into having independent living community supports with caregiving. So there, there is a system in place out there and figuring out how to, to make sure you get those supports you need or, you know, learning from others on how they, they advocate for more care or how they find care. Like there's, it's, 
I call it the advocacy game of life. Like, like so much of, of navigating this world is, is playing the game because so much of, of being a quadriplegic, or at least with a high level injury is relying on the system. And it's not a bad thing to rely on the system. You know, having support is a good thing. Like there's no, there's nothing in the rule book that says you have to do life alone. Second, you do it alone. If it gets, it becomes lonely and, it, and, it, and you know, it becomes a, like I said before, I, or I mentioned, I, I enjoy sailing. Like you need to become your own best, best captain of the ship and you get to navigate what directions you go, but having crewmates, having friends, having families um, and, and caregivers and healthcare providers and, and, and coworkers, whatever you name it, you're gonna have a lot of people be on this journey with you to like get, go into the direction you want to go in. And I found the more and more people you can have be a part of your journey, the easier life becomes. And it's, it also, you know, it means, you know, you, you have, you know, so much of, of it is trying to surround yourself with beautiful people too. Um, I think that was one of the first things that they taught me in therapy for one to self-advocate, you, you, you know, the whole squeaky wheel analogy we've heard all our lives, but you, you have to, you have to speak up for yourself, find your voice since we're talking about that as well. And also finding your community because I didn't envision getting active in the SCI community. I, you know, you're, you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about survival. Literally many of us, uh, especially with the higher level injuries, you're, Think about what can I do tomorrow? And then little do you know, those answers are sometimes within that spinal cord injury community with some of the, the folks from support groups, from online communities, from spinalpedia.com. You're you're finding these answers because people have been getting hurt. Yeah, I'm I wasn't the first person, you weren't the first person to get hurt. So establishing that community, you know, getting that help. And um, I could say I'm blessed as well because my friend and family unit have always been there to support me as well. So again, for those listening, it may not be those closest to you. You may have to reach out online or go to the nearest hospital or rehab facility, but you know, establish that community. Let let people in, let people help you. It's it's not it's not a weakness to get help. Yeah. It's actually a strength. And you know, as long as you are in charge, as long as you are directing the path you want to go in, that that is another way of independence. Like a lot of people think I'm, or you could say I'm dependent on my caregivers. I'm dependent on my family members to tackle my day. Cause guess what? I can't brush my teeth. I can't get out of bed on my own. I can't do a lot of things physically, but through my caregivers, through my family, through my friends, I live an independent life. And it's, it's just a matter of making sure you mentally know what direction you want to go. And just that, that community, like I just, you know, so often, you know, if you're doing it alone, you're you're having to figure out everything out on your own. But you don't have to. You don't have to re. Yeah. Like it's important to know that you you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Every there's been a lot of other people that have figured this out and learning all the ways that they do it and all the ways they've learned not to do it. It's you know the big thing about spinal cord injury is after our injuries, we all kind of almost got a doctorate in spinal cord because we're living it. We put the 10,000 hours in, but like we start speaking spinal cord and that it's like our own little language of being able to talk about autonomic dysreflexia or your level of injury or, you know, the different ways of, 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 of approaching catheterization. And there's all these things that like 
few people outside of the spinal cord community probably would be like, all right, what are they talking about? But for us, it's like, it's our day to day. So being able to talk through those things with others, it's, we have that special connection with each other. Yeah. And we, we you, leveraging that and embracing that and coming together. It's just, there's, there's a, a lot of life, lifelong friendships that I've had that I feel very blessed and lucky to have through the spinal cord community. Um, yeah, I'll definitely co-sign that. So now here you are, young man, you put yourself back into school, you're figuring out, you, this is a time where you should probably be as selfish as possible and everyone should understand, but you decided to come up with the Determined to Heal Foundation. Where did that come from and what was the original goal? So I, early on in my injury, I had this incredible teacher that I had uh, in school who uh, just retired after after uh, or during my injury and um, decided she wanted to bring me back to school. And that's when we did the poetry courses, public speaking. And during that time, she we did all these different exercises to figure out who I wanted to be. And I just kept on coming back that I'm, I was determined to move forward, determined to get better and to heal from this injury. And I, about 10 months after my injury, I compiled like so much information that I had to figure out on my own, on my own. And I just realized like, I, I could do better to help simplify this transition for other families. And, and I had these incredible mentors that came into my life. And each time I met a new person, it's like, I learned something from them. Like, I wish I met them sooner. I would have been, this would have been so much easier. I would have been in a better direction. So yeah, within that first year, those first 10 months, I, I was just so fed up with, you know, saying, I wish I had this. I wish I had this during those initial weeks after my injury. And that's where Determined to Heal um, was born. And since 2005, uh, we've we've helped tens of thousands of families. We've created Spinalpedia, um, where we take those 30,000 videos and break them all down by physical functionality. So you put your exact movement in into the Spinalpedia filter, and the next thing you know, you have a thousand mentors, a thousand different videos within your unique physical functionality to show you what's possible. And it's just so yeah, so much about that was. You know, so much, so many people gave to me early on that I wanted to give back. And it just so happened I was able to do it early on in my injury, but I, I would not have been there without those people in my life. So I, I, I owe it all to them. And you said it before, like getting your spinal cord injury, it's like life becomes a cycle of being a mentor and a mentee the entire time. And I, I have to, again, applaud you because it's the same thing for me. You're trying to figure out your benefits. You're trying to figure out insurance. You're trying to do all these things. And unfortunately, you know, at least when I was injured, you had about 45 days of being inpatient in the hospital. That's not enough time to figure out your physical health, your mental health, your emotional situation, and then prepare your family for you to come home. And so there's a lot of figuring out on your own. There's a lot of information. Ironically, I was given like a huge booklet. And I'm like, well, I can't turn the page. So what am I going to do with this book? But there's so much information that's in front of you and so many problems that you have to figure out. And it feels like you're alone. And, and I know many people have had this solution. And uh, my first one was another guy. He was in therapy about a month right before me. And it was his mother. She was the first one to kind of help me through the 
the social security uh uh rigmarole i guess all the issues they had to deal with and then you start to realize that without someone who's been injured you know of course they assigned us a, a mentee when we're in um the hospital and you know for me I, I don't think i was ready that first month to understand why they were important but by month six trying to figure everything out i was calling him very often his name was woody woody beckham down here in miami and between him and ryan gabawa they were just really amazing as far as giving me for uh as much information as i could pointing me in the right direction because it's there's so much there's so much going on and you're still trying to figure out again being young man you're still trying to figure out how you feel about the situation and move forward so it's i think it's way too much to deal with it and the fact that you're able to come up with not only the foundation but that resource website it it, those make it so much different i remember i the first one i came across was of course the christopher reeves uh foundation and and i came across spinalpedia while i was just doing research and then, of course, United Spinal came up, and these resources really change the game. It puts you ahead of others who are trying to, unfortunately, do it all on their own. Oh, well said. And you know, with the Determined to Heal, our big thing is any newly injured family, within the first year of their injury, like the quicker we can get to you, our services are there to help kind of guide you in the right direction. And there's certain things that you, you talk with, you know, the person that's injured, but then there's other conversations that you then have with the family members and friends because it it the, the more you can do as a team, the more you're able to get in the right direction quicker. Um, and there's a lot of things that can be done in parallel. But, you know, with, with an injury, there's certain things that you just also just need to focus on to get keep your body healthy, to, to learn more and focus on kind of skin management, being able to get your exercise program down. So the, there's just so many different layers to this injury uh, as you well know and there's so many unanswered questions that if you can talk through with somebody that's knowledgeable and that's there it just it becomes that much easier so really of anybody that's newly injured whether you're listening to this you're a family member a friend um please contact determined to heal contact contact me personally uh, find me on facebook you name it and would love to start that conversation and be there as a mentor for you. I, I love, I love it more than anything to tell you the truth. It's just, and then what I, what I also, you know, love about getting to families early on is you get them in that, in that direction early on uh, to, 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 to go in better places. And it's just watching their journey. Like, I know it's, it's weird, but I've been at this now for 19 years and just like being a mentor to people early on and seeing what they've done, what they've accomplished when they get that first job, when they, graduate school and they, they get married when they they go on their first uh, uh airplane ride and just like being there early on you know you kind of get that feeling that you're a part of that like and it's it's really it's a beautiful it's a beautiful world we live in and and to to, to be able to share share it within people's journeys like i i just i love that and, it's, and even coming from the perspective of someone who's injured and for those listening those little victories, they, they create bigger ones. You know, you know, everyone says it takes baby steps. It starts with, uh, for me, one of the first things that really kind of helped me start getting my confidence back was our rec therapist. She took this Kathy Herring from uh, Jackson Memorial hospital. She's now retired. She made us all go to Chili's just, uh, you know, simple little restaurant. And I was so nervous. I was like, 
my chair, I'm not going to have space. But then you get there and there's 10 other people in chairs and they set up the tables for you and the caregivers were all there. And um, we were going to Bayside here in Miami and it's like a large outdoor um, shopping area. And it's like people are watching you, but then you're like, man, I'm going about my business. And those little victories, they, they kind of start to snowball. And now, like you said, next, you know, you're on your first flight. My first flight since my injury was this past December, terrified. And not just because I was worried about flying, but you hear all the horror stories and they're real. It doesn't take away from the reality of them. But the simple fact that, you know, what, you, you have to take that risk. You know, you have to kind of go forward because, you know, if I had the opportunity to do that and I was able bodied, I wouldn't have missed uh, the opportunity anyway. So th different things like that. Going on your first interview, maybe you didn't get that job, but now you're confident for your second and third interview. So uh, pushing forward as uh, Josh was just telling us and those little victories, those little moments, the, those are what snowball and push you forward and get you once you're in that right direction, nothing can really stop you. So true. It's just, you gotta, you just gotta have that leap of faith to get outside your home and, and just the, like, I, I, I know I've said it earlier, but the supports, like my, my employment journey started with vocational rehabilitation where every single state in this country has a VR program, vocational rehabilitation, which has the sole purpose is to get people with disabilities into the workforce. And part of that is getting an education, getting you know, through school, getting the training, getting the technology you need. And the VR programs in every state can help you do that. And they can pay for school. They can pay for that technology. Um, and it's, it's just having those supports in place help me you know, get through school and then being able to then, uh, you know, get out and experience the world, the, the workforce. I, I kind of figured out a lot of different um, internships and things of that nature where I was able to like, see, is this what I really want to do in life? Is this how, how I want to do it? And while doing that, you can enroll in what's known as Medicaid buying programs, which let you buy into Medicaid uh, with, with, with employment. So you can have higher income and assets and 46 out of 50 states have it. Unfortunately, I know you live in Florida, which does not have it, which needs to change. We can talk later about how, how we can advocate to make that happen. Um, but uh, there's, there's a path forward and there's systems in place that allow us to not only survive in the community, but thrive in the community. And it, yes, you, there are horror stories along with airplanes, with employment, with you, you, there's basically a horror story for everything within the spinal cord life, but there's also those, those amazing adventures and journeys and success yeah. stories that exist. And it's so important that we get more of those success stories out there so people can learn how to do it, how to do it safer and how to have better experiences around them. But like, even with flying, there's, there's certain things that you could do to better position yourself to not have a horror story, but even if you do everything 100% correct, the airlines can't find a way to still damage your wheelchair and damage you. But if you do certain steps in place, you give yourself a, a, a better chance for a better experience. Um, and I will it, say this, through my experiences doing the podcast and these interviews, I've heard so many stories. And many of them, thankfully, the individuals can look back and laugh whether it was a catheter accident or a bowel accident at the wrong moment or 
falling out of their chair, you believe it or not. And the reality is afterwards, it only went better. You're like, well, it was an experience. I learned from it and I won't make that mistake again. And like I've I've told I've told the uh the story a few times. I was like, my first date post spinal cord injury, I had a catheter issue and I hid it real well and didn't find out until I got home. And you know, it, it and I learned from there, you know, what to do and what not to do from there. So the reality is you're you're going to have horror stories, you're gonna have um experiences, but that shouldn't stop you just like Everyone else in the world, everyone else has misfortune. Everyone else has challenges to overcome, but that shouldn't stop you from living life and going on life's adventures. I totally agree with you. And getting at the, like, like dating, like I, like dating was, was scary, but it also was thrilling and it was fun. And it was like, I, I kind of turned it into, you know, its own kind of game of sort to be able to like, experience the DC area more. So I created lots of dates to be like, all right, I never did this before. I want to experience that. Or, you know, I, I came up with, with a system in place to, to try it out. And so much of life is just confidence. Yeah. Like the bottom line, whether you have a disability or not, if you bring more confidence to your life, if you, if you believe in yourself, if you, if you just have, um, the ability to like say, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. It's just so much, you experience so much more around you. And, you know, dating, I, after my injury, I, I know I was only 18 at the time, but like, I still, while I was laying in bed and, and you know, staring up at the ceiling, you know, in the critical unit, I, I, I did wonder like, am I going to become a dad someday? Like it was always a dream of mine to be a dad and to be a coach and to be, you know, be able to raise kiddos. And, you know, I never gave, I gave up hope with that. And I did the dating scene because I wanted to find that partner. And I, you know, I hit up all the dating apps. Um, you know, I did match.com. I did Tinder. I did eHarmony, Bumble, you name it. And I went on dates. I, I fell for some girls, dated. Uh, so some girls broke my heart. I broke some girls' hearts. And, you know, the next thing you know, you just keep trying and, I ended up finding an incredible partner and, um, and uh, she, Katie came with uh, a beautiful, at the time, two-year-old, two-year-old daughter. And I fell, fell in love with her as well. And uh, about 18 months ago, Katie gave birth to our son through IVF um, and going through that journey. And uh, right now, uh, and I keep calling Katie my partner. Um, I, I wish I could call her my wife, but if we were to get married, I would lose all my caregiving. Which is a whole nother issue. Yep. Goodness. So we're we're working on changing a law in Maryland to lift the income and asset limits. Um, come January one, we got the governor of Maryland to agree to lift the income limits for workers with disabilities, but there's still a bunch of marital issues that come with it. So we're going to keep advocating until we, until we can break down those barriers. Um, so that's the, and that's the Medicaid buying program I was telling you about. And right now we're working on changing the, the law. Tennessee does not have one. And we're working with advocates on the ground to get one in Tennessee. The District of Columbia does not have one. We're working to make that happen as well. We, we definitely need to make it happen in Florida. 
we're going to have to definitely get you to agree to a part two because I have so many questions about the benefit programs and how it affects our income. And I mean, you sound like a guy to really sit down and chat with it, especially through your own personal experiences. So we're going to have to put that for on, on the calendar, if not for uh, before the end of the year. Let's, next year, let's do in October, Disability Employment Awareness Month. Uh, hey, hey, folks, you heard it already. So, oh, well, that'll be perfect. If we have time while we're in Vegas, we'll have a great conversation. Let's do that then. Let's make it happen. It's already on the calendar. Done deal. So now uh, you just said 18 months ago, she gave birth to your beautiful son, which is amazing. I've had many stories of success and no success as of yet through IVF for folks on uh, the the podcast. One of my favorite um, is Alex Lubin here in South Florida. Through his IVF, they had triplets. They were not expecting it, but he was like, hey, you know, the three babies, oh, wow. it's his blessing. But um, a few folks I know I follow on YouTube, they're still working on it. So even myself, like I often think about whether I want to go down that route when I find my partner, because I've always wanted to be a father. But it's like, it, it, it's it's a kind of scary, especially since not all insurances cover it. Uh, it can be expensive and it doesn't always work. So do you mind if I ask how, you know, what were some of the emotions you guys were going through during the process? Absolutely. Uh, it's first getting it covered by insurance is is a big help because it is expense. And uh, so luckily Katie is a school psychologist. So she had great insurance to the, to the public school system with her job. Um, and going through that process, it's just, it's, um, you know, so much of being there. It's, I can never say, you know, I, I gave or, you know, we're, we're not pregnant. Katie, Katie's pregnant. So it's like, it's really understanding, like, how do you become the best partner you can be to be there, to be supportive, to be on that journey um, and contribute in every way that you can. So with Katie, it's just, I always just try to find ways, you know, with our communication, what can I do? Or I say, I'm, I was thinking of doing this for you and being there to have her back, you know, physically, I, I couldn't do a lot of things, but yeah. being supportive and being present and being active within the relationship. You know, she wasn't alone during it. She did the heavy lifting, that is for sure. Uh, she, you know, sacrificing her body in every way. Like it's just, I, I do so much appreciation uh, for her, for her, which I always appreciate her, but also for my mom and everything she did for me, um, you know, giving birth to me and then also raising me and, um, going through that process and and learning everything I could and being there for her it's just it, it was a it, it wasn't a nine-month experience it was you know more of a, a year and a half two-year experience to go through the IVS doing all the shots being able to, to retrieve uh, the eggs being able to retrieve the sperm um, going through all those things luckily I was able to do my own donation through Katie helping me to um, provide the, the donor sperm, but other people, you know, there's other ways of getting it. There's electrical stimulation you yeah. can do to get it. You can actually um, do a surgical where you slice, slice open a, a testicle to be able to gain access to, to the sperm. Um, there's other retrieval methods um, to, to making that possible. Um, so it's, and it's a IVF. It's, it's a pretty cool chemistry experiment. Uh, that puts together the right ingredients and um, and 
the science is, is really incredible. I actually have Dr. Ibrahim from the University of Miami uh, and Jackson Memorial Hospital. He's actually supposed to be joining me on the podcast, if not next month in November, to talk more about the IVF and ED and some of these things that we do with post-spinal cord injury. So uh, look out for that episode coming soon. Uh, we'll be able to get more into it. But now, uh, to be fully transparent, and you mentioned it a little bit, my fear is because of my high level of injury, you and I are about the same area. I think I have a bit more function on my right arm. But is the fear that I, I can't be as physically involved, not only while my partner may be going through pregnancy, but through the child rearing. And, you know, I, I do my best with my siblings now and their kids. And, you know, I'm an uncle and I do my part, but it, your hands off to a certain degree. So to be transparent, that I think that has been my hesitancy and my fear. And, you know, as a man, I'm sure you've had some of these concerns as well. Yep. And with that being, my, you know, being a reality, Physically, we are limited to what we can do, but being present, being a good partner, stepping up in all, a lot of the other areas to be supportive, to have their back, and then developing technology or, or different setups. Like I was able to, to invent this, um, uh, with the help of others, this special rail system on my wheelchair to hold a baby carriage so I could have the baby right in front of me and wheel around with the baby. Um, I ended up... I'm now using this special technology retainer where I use my tongue with a touchpad um, and I'm able to control my devices and I'm able to be able to play with this special robot on the ground with, with, with my kids. Um, I'm able to play different apps with them um, using technology or creating dance parties, putting the dance on and dancing around or using different straps to hold my baby to my stomach or, or different adaptive clothing to my chest. Um, there's all these different ways of, of making those touch points with different creative approaches to making it happen. Um, and is it different? Yeah. But being present is, is half, is, is more than half of being a good, a good parent and being there, having them back and, um, and loving on them and having those smells. Like I just, I love having my, my son on my chest. The simple thing of just smelling him like he's... I'm about to say, probably not all the smells, but some of them. Yeah, not all of them, but like <laughs> just, just a baby is just, I don't know, it's... There's so many incredible memories of just... And those touch points, and especially in bed. You know, I do my bowel program in bed. I do a lot of time in bed where I'm on my side. And just having, you know, the baby next to you or in your arm. And just having those touch points, like it's... There's, there's all these moments that are just beautiful that you find if, if you're, if you're willing to be next to the ones you love. I'm going to wait for you to put out the quad dad book series and how to be the best quad dad possible and what technologies would be helpful. Cause that it's amazing. And again, I'm, I'm realistic and I've had those conversations with um, people, potential partners and, you know, I'm not to say those aren't real concerns because they really are. And, I'm just glad to hear it from your perspective because some of the other guys I knew were para. So they had the capability to use their upper body, but to hear it from a higher level quad like myself is, is very encouraging. And I, I reached out to a lot of quad fathers and, you know, I ended up interviewing like five to seven quad dads, like during the, the, the months when Katie was pregnant and I was like, I want to learn from you. I want to find the ways to do it, what not to do it. Where were the struggles? 
what did you like, what are the different approaches? And it's just, you know, I learned from other dads and, and I had their real live, real wheel experiences to tell me kind of what to do, what, what was going through their mind, what were the struggles. Um, and it just, it made me kind of approach it differently rather than kind of learning from my mistakes or, you know, just learning, just like I, I came in with a game plan and I, I guess that's, I like coming in with a game plan and that just may, might be my personality, but like, there's a, a lot that you learn on the fly, but there's also a lot, a lot of things that you can avoid and, and a lot of approaches that you can try out to figure out what works for you. Um, so I, I very much enjoyed that with, with other quad dads. And, you know, there was even another quad dad that basically uh, has very limited movement in legs and arms, nothing to be able to uh, kind of be able to really hold, but he had a lot of upper body kind of strength and use his mouth to do more things. Um, and it was just like, it was, it was amazing to hear his journey out. He was able to do different feedings with his mouth, with his son. He doesn't have a spinal cord injury, but he had a significant uh, birth, a birth injury. Um, but that was, that was incredible to hear how he did it. And it just, it just said, you know, through a little creativity and the right approach, you can do it. You can make it happen. I'm just going to throw an idea out there. I think that would be a great like video series of different quad dads or, you know, just dads with significant disabilities and how they interact, because it would be very encouraging to some of us who are thinking about it or who have those concerns. So thanks so much for sharing that. Like that's, that's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, so now um, as we're getting closer to the end of the episode, I want to talk more about your work as an attorney, first of all, getting through uh, law school, which is not easy on a regular basis. So um, adding in the spinal cord injury, I'm sure it was, uh, did it make it any easier? And of course, your work as an advocate. So yeah, so so much of getting through school was putting the hours in and it just being able to focus and let 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 your professors know that you've absorbed the information and you could uh, provide it back within the testing. So like really, I, I'm a big believer in getting the right accommodations in school. And accommodations is not a weakness. Accommodations creates an even playing field. Accommodations allows you to be able to perform at your highest levels. So getting those accommodations where it's extra time, a private uh, setting to do your testing, to be able to get the note takers in class, to be able to you know, type out the information you need, um, to be able to, the, there's, there's so many little elements to get through school and might be another series we can talk talk through. Um, but it's uh, getting through school is one thing and then getting into the workforce and being able to work to your full potential. Um, it's just, I, I, I really love work for what it provides me from a purpose standpoint, but also from a quality of life standpoint, earning dollars, like we have the most expensive injury imaginable yeah. and every dollar it makes can improve your quality of life. So getting out there working, it's just, there's a lot of benefits to employment. And um, as a medical malpractice attorney, um, most attorneys are nerds, which is a good thing. I I'm a nerd, but I'm a, uh, being a quadriplegic nerd, I get to be an empathetic uh, nerd slash attorney. And being able to connect with my clients and being able to help them through nav navigating community supports uh, and being able because what a lot of people don't know with when you have a personal injury, catastrophic injury, 
due to the ne- negligence of someone else, it can take anywhere from two to four years to litigate. So it's a long process. And being with my clients on their side and having their back through their journey, it, it, it creates a, a, a much added value to them. But then also one of my specialties is building out life care plans, knowing how much it's going to cost to take care of yourself for the rest of your life and knowing how to do it properly. So, so often attorneys just create these boilerplate plans. They, they jump from one client to another with, or, you know, uh, the same plan for paraplegic and a quadriplegic. I'm sorry. It's totally different worlds. You need to build it out because every single one of those dollars, it, it's, there's millions of dollars on the table to be able to properly build out a life care plan to make sure that they have the supports for the rest of their life that they need. So I love doing that. And I love working with clients all across the country, matching them up with local attorneys, you name it. It's, it's maybe it's about getting families in the right direction within their legal journey. Um, I'm barred in Maryland and DC, but there's always the ability to work with clients all over the country. And um, it's just, it's just, there's, um, it's a tough journey out there and not have to do it alone and have the right supports behind you can make all the difference in the world. And so that's uh, part of it is being a medical malpractice attorney, but also being an attorney allows me to then get into the policy world of breaking down barriers, changing laws, whether it's at the state level or the federal level and understanding how to put, put those pieces of the puzzle together and making real change on a systemic level. I love doing as well. And it says a lot because through the work with United Spinal, like sometimes as just a member, you, you feel like uh, my voice doesn't mean much, but as we've come to find out and I've done um, some advocacy work through the Alzheimer's Association, through the ALS, and we've visited the state capitol, it, it, it takes seeing the people, it takes seeing and hearing those stories uh, to make people like you give you the power to get policy enacted and changed. And um, I've always encouraged uh, folks, even prior, again, to my injury, to to be involved in the local politics and understand what's going on. And now the fact that, you know, I didn't care about Social Security and Medicare and all that prior to my injury. So now I'm like, oh, my goodness, all of it's so important. I need to know what's on the up and up, what's going on. So um, power so listeners are encourage especially with spinal cord injury awareness like what advice can you give for them uh, as far as being involved first getting involved is the first step and connecting with organizations like united spinal association and working with them to learn about the issues of the day learning how to advocate and then coming together with power enough numbers so that our voices and wheels can be heard um so it's just yeah connecting with organizations like united spinal is huge and um, I know we're at the hour right now, and this was just so much fun today being able to speak with you and your audience. And I just, just want to thank you for that. No, Josh, I, again, you know, every minute we get to spend, I appreciate it. I look forward to us meeting and getting to meet Katie out in um, Vegas. Before we go, give the folks the websites or how they can get in contact with you. Sure. So come to SpinalPedia.com to, to have a mentoring platform to have your back. Join as a community member, add videos, uh, visit determined the number two heal.org to see more resources as well. Um, follow us on social media with Spinalpedia and find me on Facebook, Josh Basil, and 
add me as a friend and let's communicate through private messaging. Uh, and just, yeah, so different ways to reach me. I'll make sure to have all of that in the episode notes. Again, uh, attorney Joshua Basil, I appreciate you for joining me today. Uh, we're uh, celebrating Spinal Cord Injury Awareness Month. And I look forward again to hang out with you in person. Uh, maybe play a game of poker or something when we're in Vegas. Uh, but until happy. then, you enjoy yourself. Tell the kids I said hi, say to Katie. Uh, but you have a wonderful day. You too. Can't right, wait. Bye. Bye, Thanks for tuning in to the show. Connect with the podcast on social media. Check out our Instagram page at ramp.it.up.podcast or email us at rampituppodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.